He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. What I've tried to do is look at it through the lens of how would I as a housekeeper, I as an inspector, I as a maintenance person, be able to open this up and try to intuitively use this and port data back to my company, right? Because data is king, is gold right now. So mm -hmm. being able to do that and in the lens of adopting, right? Technology and then adapting to it or you to it. And that's key. If we can get lift on that, then the whole process works. If I can't get lift on that, typically the retention model there is, is very short. So again, the lens of trying to do that strategically is what we're focused on. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks that help vacation rental managers all over the world optimize and scale operations. We are grateful to be joining Will Slickers and the Slick Podcast listeners to provide value to you, the vacation rental professional. At Hostfully, we're data geeks, and we love partnering with other companies in the vacation rental space to bring the most insightful content, analysis, and market reports. You can even see specific market reports about what amenities are important and how demand looks in your region. We also love to share best practices. To learn more about what you can do to improve your vacation rental business, visit our industry-leading blog at www.hostfully.com. There, you'll find resources that will help you understand how to take advantage of multi-channel distribution, dynamic pricing, automation, and more. Along with Will Slickers, we hope you consider us as your helpful guide in building your vacation rental business. Learn more at hostfully.com. That's H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com. He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. All right, Slick Talkers, welcome back to the podcast where we talk about all things hospitality, hotels, restaurants, and vacation rentals. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and uh, it's another beautiful PNW day here. Um, for all of you that don't know what PNW is, Pacific Northwest. And this episode is really cool. I'm excited to welcome Brian from Easy Care. Uh, Brian, let's just jump into the show. Welcome. Congratulations you. for you know being here on Zoom. We've got Wi-Fi issues solved. We're we're all happy, mic'd up and ready to go. So, welcome <clears> to the show. Thank you, Will. And I I know how technology can be a blessing or a curse. So I yes, get it. Uh, awesome. And I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to um, express some things that you know I love talking about every day. Uh, so if I can help, great. And if it's just knowledge in your knowledge bank, great. Um, I'm, I'm hoping some of this information today um, can move something forward for somebody. Yeah, I think that's uh, the number one aspect for the podcast is we're always here to not only talk about cool things that we can geek out about, but we can also, you know, be a, be a valuable right. resource. So I love that. Um, well, just let's introduce, you know, who you are to the audience. Uh, what is your overall background history and kind of uh, tell us a little bit a little bit about who you are sure uh, stop me if I go too long um, okay no worries yeah no, uh, I've been in sales primarily most of my my uh, professional life um, out of the San Francisco Bay Area but I'm, uh, I'm now up in uh, Portland beautiful Portland Oregon mm -hmm. um, but I've worked for Navis um, Navis a lot of you in the non-flagged hotels and the vacation rental sector might uh, know Navis from the um, offline technology, right? the phone technology, the telephony mm -hmm. side of the business, particularly as it pertains to reservations and creating revenue through booking um, in the offline channel. So uh, traveling the country, interacting with uh, hotels, hotel managers, um, reservation managers has been great. It was a good education. And same with vacation rentals, understanding how to 
uh, look at the business and look at what each individual vacation rental owner is trying to do, and then um, seeing what we can do to improve reservations, uh, working with people, you know, it's working with people mm. and putting procedures in place to make that happen. Uh, I then moved to vice president of, a regional vice president of Vacasa, and at the time we were about six, 700 homes, which is a pretty large operation. Um, by the time I left, we were about 4,000 homes, so almost five, I think. So in that time, we had exponential growth. And truly at that time, no one else had grown that fast uh, in that short of time. So a little bit of hair on fire most of the time. But in doing so, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. I had, gosh, five, four or five states um, in the Northwest. I covered... Um, quite a bit of territory. I had 285 or six downline employees and I had 42 managers to work with. So it was a large complex operation. Mm -hmm. uh, then I moved to director of operations for that sector as well, all the while keeping my business development uh, title. So it was a good ride. Um, I, as I mentioned before, it was a great education for me. Um, I then moved to turnkey for a while and um, uh, worked with them, uh, brought on the Oregon coast for them because I know it intimately well. They mm -hmm. had not um, brought any uh, presence to that area. And I, I uh, was um, really the tip of the spear for moving them into that area. Uh, and then uh, Yan and I, the owner of uh, Easy Care, it used to be called Easy Inspections. We're rolling out Easy Care this month or next month. Uh, and, and truly right at the cusp. So that's why I say that. And really what I looked at when I came on board is a, a, an industry veteran in another industry really trying to figure out how to bring a tool set over from what he's created to apply to corporate housing, multifamily, and vacation rentals, uh, primarily in those sectors. And I came boor on board to help him um, really broaden our uh, brand and our tool set. So that's, that's where that's at. Awesome. And here I so, am today. Yeah, oh, I love it. And I remember my first time when I moved to the Oregon coast, uh, which it sounds like you and I were a hop, skip and a jump away from each other. Um, I remember my first property. I worked with Navis. Navis is a great tool. Uh, actually saw from like the flagship hotel side uh, from Marriott to independent hotel. I saw, you know, the owner was talking about it grew uh, their revenue about 30% because they weren't missing phone calls and they were missing up on follow-ups and all the other things that Navis does. Um, so it was pretty cool to, to see from that perspective. And then, of course, Vicasa uh, and Turnkey, just everyone, everyone knows that, so... Right, exactly. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty common f over at Navis, for, and I'm not doing a commercial for Navis, but it was <laughs> it was nice for us to see uh, conversion rates go from I don't know 28, 35 percent up to 60, 70, and 80 percent, and that's yeah. how much effect you can have just by proper training and and mm -hmm. software tools to to take some of the heavy heavy burden off. So yeah, that that's one thing I I did see Navis do, and I like that with the software side of things. Um, well, what is easy care all about and how did it come about? What is it exactly? I know you talked a little bit about the, you know, the founder, uh, it was easy inspections, bringing it over to now easy care. Let's get a little bit of background on that. Sure. So the owner of the company, uh, and we are self-funded, um, PhD at a Stanford smart guy working in the Silicon Valley about 2005. He noticed that in the mortgage inspection side, um, and banking inspection for, their portfolio of assets um, was pretty opaque. What he wanted to do is build an app that would allow these inspectors to uh, answer questions, create questions, take pictures, and port that all back to the mortgage uh, companies and reports. It was great. It, it, it essentially revolutionized a mortgage inspection as they knew it back then. You can imagine that in 2008, 9, and 10 with the mortgage crisis, his mm -hmm. business blew up exponentially. Um, in doing so, it allowed him to continue to create uh, solution tools, if you want to use um, that phrase, that really met the needs and evolved with the ongoing needs of the mortgage inspection business. He's become one of the largest uh, mortgage inspection software companies in the United States. Um, 
And in doing that, he was able to also look at other industries like short-term vacations, like corporate housing, like multifamily long-term, and say, wait a second, uh, these tools that I've built over here for inspections could also work in these industries as well. So in tandem to continuing the mortgage inspection side, he has um, uh, tried to move over there. When I say tried, uh, you know, it was a bit of a struggle at first. Um, and what I came on board to do was to help move the rock forward, so to speak, to continue to build the tools I wish I had in operations, reflecting back on my time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what could we do to make operations easier, period. That was it. And in doing so, we have spent the last almost three years, um, I'll just say two to, to round it um, down, but two years building the kind of system I wanted to see when I was in operations, trying to get everybody to be in lockstep, everybody to be on the same page, and everybody to understand what it took to continue to uh, do property management right, yeah. in a superior way. See, and I love so that. Easy I think inspection. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, easy, ins easy inspections is now turning to easy care because it's a more comprehensive um, logo and logotype so, um, so that we can encompass a more holistic approach to it because we've got more than just inspections. And I'll talk yeah. about that too. Excellent. No, I think that's great. A lot of my favorite, you know, industry stories are those who once managed and operated and then, you know, saw the, you know, the pain points as in the title of this episode, uh, you know, the pain points in operations that they just wish that they didn't have to struggle with all the time and that were always causing more issues and then jumping to that side of the fence of, all right, how can we fix this by joining this team and creating a product and a, and a tool that can really ease that operation side of things. And I think that's the greatest stories of, you know, that we see today with great companies and of course, uh, as we're about to talk about in this episode. So I think it's pretty awesome. Well, and I'll add to that. Yeah, I'll add to that, that I still run into everywhere um, processes that involve spreadsheets and processes that involve a paper. And, uh, you know, it's the way the industry was, it's the way they've evolved. Um, and it's the way they've essentially are in a position, I'll put it this way, that um, they're probably going to have to make that leap here um, pretty quickly or they're going to get left behind. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. I, I always use pen and paper just because I have to get my thoughts out and I can't type fast enough, but then I you know, transfer it over. It just maybe creates more of a headache and I probably am probably why I'm super behind on a lot of stuff, but you know. Yeah, but there's some redemption. You at least move it to a digital format. So redemption. yes. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, let's kind of, I want to dive into what you've seen in the years of being in hospitality. What are some major pain points for managers when it comes to operations? I think what I, I want to do here very quickly is to reframe it a little bit, if you don't mind, um, as we look at pain points for operations. I think we can reframe it in the industry as, in my mind, two ways. There's, we can attack the long-term view an evolution of the, of the veteran industries out there, vacation rental companies that have been around for 40 years, for instance. And then we can look at the industry from the short-term uh, viewpoint. By that, I mean, and I think what I wanna do is talk about you know, how the industry has evolved um, you know, and how the expectations of the guest has changed. And I don't wanna dwell on that too much. I think a lot, of, a lot has been said and written about that. Um, but I want to take that in the lens. The third part is, you know, how has the hospitality industry reacted to that heightened sense? And what are they doing about it to adopt new protocols and adapt to the technology? Um, so I feel like that's something that um, I want to reframe here in that, in that question, if you don't mind. Um, looking at the long view. So let's talk about that for a second. I think Companies in this rental space, uh, particularly um, in uh, recent years, where they've done business the same way for so long, back to our paper and, uh, and spreadsheet uh, uh, conversation, but um, to now understanding that, uh-oh, <clears throat> we've got to pivot, and we've got to pivot fast. Um, they're... they're there's a, a complete emphasis right now on understanding I, where the eyeballs are. So that what I call the demand side of the business versus the supply side. Um, data collection, 
So data collection to me is the new gold, right? It's the new gold standard. It is what we are going to have to do continually here. And not only big data that we're supposed to collect, but how to apply it. That's maybe as important. And then reviews, right? We're going to have to catch up with what the OTAs are spitting out, right? I don't mean to be pejorative, but you know, they're the, the big cat in the room and they've got claws. So we've got to, we've got to understand how to tame that, that big cat. And, you know, that's going to be with reviews, that's going to affect your, uh, the algorithms of, of page rank, right? As we all know, for those OTAs. And, you know, look, it's going to affect your retention as well. Reviews, of, you know, not only affect housekeepers and inspectors and all the maintenance personnel, um, but ultimately uh, they have a profound effect on retention. You know, is that demand side customer going to come back and see you? Um, so for me, that's the long and short view of that. Um, and I think understanding that um, you, you can see how, you know, in, in my mind, we can move to the short view. And for me, we've, we've dealt with the long view in those areas. So remember those three. Let's move to the short view. Um, the short view is the world as we know it, particularly in vacation rentals and hotels, has radically changed. There's no going back. We have to get out of the denial phase and get into the new phase of acceptance. Whether the pandemic uh, stays for three months, six months, or another year, whenever it goes away, we have a new norm. And in doing so, and many others have talked about this, but I, I want to just touch on it, is we have to deal in the short term with the, particularly the newer, um, less seasoned uh, vacation rental owners, et cetera, about hygiene. Right? We know that. We know that safety is a huge issue right now. Ultimately, those wrap up into the big ball of trust. And again, we've touched on trust probably in the ecosystem and social media quite a bit. Um, but I do feel like that's, that's really how, how should I say this? That, that's how personally I would look into um, um, what we need to do in order to move forward with the demand side and make sure you know, they understand that we're a good place to go. So with the long view and the short view, um, I think you'll notice in the short view that the short view has much to do with back of house, right? And, and I say view, what I mean is what are we attacking today? And that has to do with um, back of house. It also ties in with trust. So now I'm, I'm tethering trust to back of house. And to me, the pressure's never been greater on housekeepers, inspectors, and maintenance personnel in the field. They are no longer issue fi fixers, excuse me. They are no longer um, you know, cleaners and inspectors per se, and, and fix it with the maintenance. They are ambassadors. So uh, they are ambassadors to your brand, um, and they are the trust providers. So now you've seen how trust is important and where does it fall? It falls on the operations side. Where does that fall? It falls on the person who may have contact with the guest or the guest may see how the rental is set up. For us, we need to make that shift. We need to look at our personnel in the field as ambassadors. And I, I say should because I feel like I needed to do that back at Vakas in Turkey. Um, I'm gonna relate to you right now. Um, that is a pivot point that you need to make. Uh, and, and I think it's important to view it in that term. Yeah. Can I make if one I, other point? Of course. Yeah. Of course. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, just for a lot of the audience that is listening to you, um, I, you know, the podcast and the, you know, the show and everyone that we bring on is about the guest experience, team experience, and of course, you know, trust, confidence, and just overall hospitality. And this is something that um, just when I was managing at a property in Seaside, um, we saw affect the guests so much with being the way we were set up. Um, we did not have, you know, like you said, private boutique hotel, um, did not have, you know, the budget in order to have 20 other extra staff members that can run linens or towels or go fix the fireplace while, you know, we're having, you know, 20 other things go on. Um, and the biggest difference was when we had the staff that went up there and took care of the guests and understood their frustrations if they were frustrated or was able to make small talk that turned into big talk and building that human to human connection and relation. Right. It turns things around so quick. 
and you would be surprised on how often um, my housekeeping team or maintenance team would say, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not guest service. I'm not, I'm not in front of the guests. You actually make a bigger impact than I think some of the front desk would, you know, would do in the sense of you are there. You, when they call, you're the ones that respond uh, versus the front desk is usually kind of the messenger at the, most of the time um, that either get shot right. or, or praised, but really you guys are guest service. We are all guest service. And I, I like the, what you said is ambassadors, a really great term. Um, and something that we preach often when I'm talking to other hoteliers or vacation rental companies. Well, and I think retention is part of sales, right? Being mm -hmm. in sales as long as I, I, um, I have, I think it's, I think it's one of the legs on the stool. And uh, I think they, as you just said, they have a direct impact on that guest, maybe like no other in your, in your, um, uh, you know, in your business. And I think, Understanding how to train them with a mindset that they are like that um, is difficult. It might be a pain point that we're talking about today is understanding how to convert uh, a housekeeper or an inspector into an ambassador. Uh, you may know it. I may say it on this podcast, but actually when rubber meets the road, getting a, um, a housekeeper to be uh, jovial, to ask questions when they see a guest to impart a smile and um, some, some happiness to them and, and maybe some, uh, you know, I dare say, a promotion of the company. Um, that, that gets into some, you know, uh, real retention metrics. And we, we shouldn't take that lightly. Totally agree. Now, uh, before I cut you off, you're about to make another point. So I'd love to hear um, where you're going with that. Well, I don't, I don't want to talk too long. I, I, you, you know, fire the questions at me as you want to, but I was just going to talk about software. I'm going to segue into software. Yeah. So to me, to me, here's what I've experienced and here's what I, what I find is software is improving exponentially, right? You see it and I see it at the conferences. There's, there's a new player. That new player has no technical debt, so they can start at zero today and they can build the next big thing, right? That's the evolution of software. But what I find interesting is not that point. What I find interesting as I look around at the landscape of the exhibitors in these conferences is that I would say, and, and, and this is anecdotal, I don't know the statistic or metric uh, solidly with background, is I'd say 80% of them are front-loaded or front-ended. These are the demand side pieces of software, whether it be the property management companies, right? Um, whether it be third-party apps and service providers, and I can name a few like, um, well, generally, um, you know, uh, with the, with the uh, uh, yield management, uh, sorry, I wasn't thinking uh, clearly about that, but the yield management, right? The, the exponential growth of trying to find the right price uh, for the right home at the right moment. Now, that's key. Getting eyeballs onto, you know, the OTAs, getting eyeballs onto your direct site, you know, the book direct mentality that we're trying to do right now um, to circumvent some things. So, these are all front loaded, right? These are all demand side. What I figured out, you know, a while back was that the supply side has really lagged in terms of software and software capabilities. Uh, I don't know that I have an answer today for that, nor maybe do I care. What I care about is what can we do today in juxtaposition of pain points, which is what we're talking about, to have technology help solve some of those problems, particularly redundant data entry, et cetera. Well, I was going to say too, with this, I think, I don't think we've talked about as much as I would like to, but there's something that usually comes up when I talk with a guest on the show, when we talk afterwards or an email or whatever, that we talk about the, the front end of the software, like you said, is very well developed. I think we're getting to that point where a lot of property managers or hotels are starting to see, they built this beautiful website. The guests are very intrigued and captured by it. And then they go to hit book now and it takes them to some other kind of clunky junky booking platform that looks like they went off of, you know, a 1995 dial up computer that is just, it's just old and outdated and doesn't even make them feel like they're at that same beautiful property or that, you know, that mesmerizing right. website that they just had. Right. Um, now right. we're starting to see that that shifts, you know, that it's starting to become more seamless <clears throat> and smooth into that transition. But like you said, um, and actually we talked about this on a couple episodes before this one is that just to check in a guest at some hotels or other, you know, 
property management companies, it takes like five different programs to do it. Five right. to right. do a simple right. task of check-in. So now, you know, hopefully we'll start to see with this whole COVID-19 pandemic and, and shift in the industry that's excelled a lot of evolution for, I think what we would have seen in five years be done, be done in less, in maybe half or less the time. Um, and hopefully that's back-end development of software. Because- Oh, I, like, I agree. I think, well, like you probably have, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, Marsha or uh, Opera for Marriott. Oh, yeah. The, I, I literally thought I was back in, you know, the first time I ever looked at a computer. It was ancient, yet their website is glorious and smooth and all this other stuff. So I'm like, what the heck? Why are we having to do 25,000 different things just to complete one simple task? And you can't even find where it is because the software back end side looks so outdated. And I love Marriott, so don't get me like, I'm not trying to bash on them, but it's sure. it's just... I, I was kind of shocked. It wasn't what the first, you know, um, I guess, step into the industry. You see everything the way the property is and how beautiful it is and the, just the overall representation right. and standard. And then that is what you are faced with. The first thing right. it's kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of my thoughts on, on you know, um, the back. The first time, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to pile on here too, too hard on, on yeah. property management systems, but Again, from a, a viewpoint, a lens that I looked at it, the first time I saw Springer Miller, um, you know, Springer Miller for reservations, a very old and probably one of the primary uh, reservation systems way back when, it was DOS effectively. And it threw me for a loop. Um, and uh, somebody out there in the, you know, the ether may say, no, it was this, that, and the other. I don't, you know, agnostic to the, to the programming, it just looked even 10 years ago to me, it looked uh, dated. So again, these new companies with very little to no technical debt, maybe with uh, some VC funding, are gonna be able to come forward. It's all the more important then that we look at what technology is going to do and where we can plug in the right technology for the right price um, at the right time. Uh, and so that's why we're talking about pain points and operations and how to solve them. Yeah. Well, my, my question leading into that then is um, for the flow of operations and prior to our conversation being recorded now, um, you said we need to embrace tech, not only on the front, but on the back end. But with that comes, you know, I think it comes a, a curve. It comes a big learning curve for, for not only the investment. Um, and I loved what you said on this too. So feel free to t touch on the, the investment side of it. But um, it's a learning curve for the staff. And when we're all ready, I think a lot of us maybe in March and April would have gotten away with taking the time to really, we had what probably I would say majority of listeners right now had a hundred percent cancellations. Um, right. Whether, you know, nobody knew with the whole beginning of COVID-19 what to expect. And that, so nobody started traveling. Everyone was staying home and canceling their trips or, maybe rebooking or using a credit for a future stay, but at the end of the day, nobody's traveling. So this was probably the time to do this, but now that we're getting, you know, opened up a little bit, travelers are starting to travel, uh, whether it's staycation or, you know, domestic in your certain country. Um, right. I think w with how busy we are, we, we had this downtime, now we're getting back up to it. The daily tasks that we normally do, plus, adding something new such as a new software for the back end and operations um what how do you, how do we handle that good question um i have a couple thoughts on that um i i think one is a is a viewpoint i've had for a long time i've worked for a few companies as i told you in my bio um most of them were single owners or a small group of families or a family that worked under the maybe the LLC, for instance. And what I find interesting about that and why I'm going in this direction is there was a thin veil between the owners of the company and the company or entity itself. And there was a blurring of the lines, particularly financially. And I don't mean in a, pejorative, in a negative way. What I mean is when they viewed income, they viewed it as their income. When they saw an expense, they saw it coming right out of their wallet. And that's great. I mean, fine. I'm not making a, a, a you know um, a negative comment about that. Here's what I'm trying to do. 
I would try to shift that. And I would try to coach owners of these companies to think of it this way. You've created an entity. That entity is its own person. You are your own person too. So what, I'm, what I mean by that is when you get income, it's going into that person. Now you can siphon that off to you, but it's in there. When you go to pay for something for the business, the business is paying for it. And therefore you need to look at it in that lens. In other words, it's not necessarily an expense. You need to sometimes look at it as an investment in your business. So there are hard expenses. I'm not getting away from that, but there's a lot of purchases that don't get made because the owner feels like that money's coming right out of their wallet and they won't get to eat tomorrow's meal if, if they have to spend on this. And I'm saying time out, you know, let's separate these two and let's start to look at expenses as investments when it comes to long-term health of your business. So that's, that's for sure. Second thing I'd like to make uh, or call attention to is we have a season. We know that. Before the pandemic, we knew Memorial Day, Labor Day, we knew where, where our busy times were, at least for vacation rentals, right? We knew that. Uh, warm weather, everything busts loose and we're going. The interesting roller coaster that we've been on is massive cancellations and now to massive bookings back to staycation. I think most of the people I talk to, my client base, have, have been on the 4th of July uh, treadmill. What I say is, you know, the busiest time of the year for vacation was 4th of July. From June to today, um, I would say, you know, that they've been on that treadmill with exhausted personnel, uh, burnt out people, um, chasing and reacting, not proactively approaching the business. I, you know, look, I, I get it. Um, but you should also look at the next two quarters and say, all right, what am I learning from this? What are my pain points? Write them down and then look for software, particularly software or technology that will put salve on some of this at a price point that makes sense and the long view of how that works. And maybe you don't train right away um, or maybe you say, look, this is an investment, right? It's not an expense for me in the short term to on a Wednesday um, get um, you know, my influencers in housekeeping, my influencers in maintenance or inspection train them to train the, you know, train the trainer, or you get the whole group in for three hours and you go through the whole system. Yeah. Is it time away of not making money? Is it an expense to bring them in? I say it's an investment and I say it's an investment for you that, that it's like the difference between making a phone call and texting. I'd rather pick up the phone and just make a quick phone call than 72 responses back and forth. It's the same way. I'd rather train for a very short amount of time in a condensed window, and then we, we hit the ground running. Long answer, apologize, but that's the way no, I see it. I love it. You hit a lot of good points, and that's one thing I've seen in my career, and I think we see a lot like with owners I talk to um, outside of the podcast, like, I, you know, do some side consulting and everything like that. But like, you know, the, the aspect of we actually even I think of another guest that I had on the show from Tipsy, this online learning platform. Um, but a lot of people in the beginning, they think, you know, I don't have time to train my staff. Well, I can't afford to take them off the desk or out of housekeeping or whatever to do this. And it's like, you can't afford not to, to be honest, because you're going to make more mistakes trying to fumble through it than you are to just take the time, get those people educated and trained or at least informed about the new process and how it works and how it looks and what the basics are to get right. moving. Right. Right. I mean, we all know mistakes are made, but repeatable yeah. mistakes are your fault, not theirs. Yes, exactly. And I love the, um, the entity thing, you know, when it comes to a business and, and of course your income, you know, that is the way it should be. Um, and I'm guilty of this too. You know, I've seen, well, it feels like, like you said, it feels like I'm not going to eat the next day, excuse me, but it's, it's not the case. It's, you know, it's a part of running a business that entity makes money in order to cover costs of other things that take money, such as software training, et cetera. Um, so I think that's a really big thing that a lot of people forget. And going back a little bit, um, I hate to say it too. I really do. But we did see this big crash of cancellations and then a big peak of rebookings, AKA staycations, uh, maybe right. some family quarantine, get out of the city type stuff. 
um, maybe some business travelers trying to, again, get out of the city and just work from a nice remote area on the lake with beautiful views where they can sip their coffee and kind of have some peace. Right. Um, right. Dare I say it though, we've seen this a lot with other quote unquote pandemics or um, viruses, but another, another peak flu season comes around the corner, October, November. Right. And I, I, like I said, I hate saying it being part of the national guard and doing the test sites and all the other food bank stuff that we did uh, to see that, all the work and progress that we've made at not only, you know, as a, as a world, but as an industry um, to make all this progress from a very low, low to now back to kind of normal highs to go right back down, you know? And so right. maybe that's the time we, you know, count our blessings and count our sheep right now as every reservation comes through is, is awesome. And we set aside for if that, if or when that happens and can make that investment in time to train and keep our businesses afloat versus letting them crash and burn, kind of like what we saw with the first round. Right, right. And you know, there are complexities in two levels. There's back to the short versus maybe the long views of things. You know, we could put in the bucket of short view, look, the pandemic is, is creating a short view process or protocol that we've never dealt with. And we're gonna have to ride that roller coaster and implement things on the fly that we would not have um, done so rapidly, right? But we're gonna need to do that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it, defining it, at least once you define it, you know where you're deviating from, right? So I always say, look, define where you're at, and then if you deviate from it, uh, you know, you, you understand how to either get back to it or that that deviation was an investment and you wanna return on that investment. Yeah. So these are the processes and protocols that you need to put into place. Certainly in the long view, we need to look at it and say, okay, how is it going to write itself? What can I do in the meantime to look at the one year, two year, three year view and start to get ready for a new normalcy, but also um, learn lessons from the short view. Yeah. So uh, again, I don't wanna drone on too long about that, but I think a heads up understanding of working on your business versus in is a, is a as Michael Gerber would say, would be a, um, a good, a good uh, strategy session today. For sure. And then kind of going into that too, if you take, if you think about it, like it's, it becomes a big unpredictable chess game where the long, the long view or sorry, the short view, um, the way I like to look at it for strategy for like, people ask me, where do you see the podcast being in five years? Or where do you see Stay Lux or Vacation Row being in five, 10, 15 years, right? right. That's a pretty long view. Um, if you asked me six, seven months ago, I would have told you, da, 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 da. Uh, ask me today. I would say, you know, I don't have, I have a long-term goal. It's different from when it was seven months ago. But I have right. a ton of short-term goals that accomplish different things. But the majority of those short-term goals or short views that I have are supposed to get me back on track to that long term. So don't be afraid. I kind of look at it. There's going to be, let's say, when November, October come, uh, October, November, whatever, um, those come. This is a short view that I have. This is a very short view. Right. But I'm willing, I'm making moves in this window, maybe sacrificing a pawn or two, um, whether it comes a little bit of money out of my pocket, not taking a salary, et cetera, et cetera these things that, you know, are short views that are sacrifices upon us to protect my king and queen or to keep my knights, you know, in position for when that long-term view execution timeframe comes that I can make that proper move knowing I planned it out strategically. Um, it's kind right. of a weird way to describe it, but that's how I see short and long views with, with especially what we're doing with COVID-19 is what I'm doing well, today. I don't want to get too yeah, oh, I don't want to get too theoretical in that. You know, there's practical things you can do, just like you said. Um, and, and I think the thrust of this podcast to, to start addressing the pain points now, um, you know, I apologize if the framework got a little bit too long, but um, you had me here to talk about pain points. I can tell you, um, after working in the industry from both sides, software side and, and the um, actual vacation rental uh, side, that there are continual uh, perennial uh, pain points that happen in our industry that are not just for vacation or short-term rental. They, they apply to the hotels and hospitality in general. So, um, well, while we're here, let's just, let's list three, three pain points that you think, whether they're short-term rental, vacation rental or hotel, 
um, overall hospitality, let's call that three of them. Right. What, what do you think <clears throat> the pain points are? What is some maybe short view, long view implementations of them that we can do and right. take actionable okay. steps? So I'll go, I'll go short fix or short view and I'll go long fix, long view. Um, I think the long view is, is again, back to perennial. If you have housekeepers that have been with you for a while, love and trust you, you the same, you are a complete minority in this business. I think one of the biggest pain, point, pain points I had was hiring and retaining quality staff in the field. And I'm just, you know, I'm not picking on housekeeping, but trying to find good cleaners and trying to find cleaners that stay with you um, mm -hmm. and are dependable and are trustworthy are, um, take up such an enormous amount of your time and energy and angst, right? So your stress level, um, that I think attacking that issue wholeheartedly in an investment uh, framework or an investment lens, you're going to have to go out and figure out how to be creative and, and how to pay. And, you know, not just extrinsic motivation, right? Like pay, but intrinsic motivation, like everything other than pay. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes, that. Yeah. right, earning a day off, um, getting a spiff, um, recognition of your team, uh, you in front of the team, winning an award, uh, looking at every time you get five-star ratings on the cleanliness of the home by a guest, then you get, you know, you get, I don't know, um, something, right? And it's, it's awarded to you in front of your peers. That's the spiral up approach or, you know, recognition. So taking on a creative look, um, you know, intrinsically, obviously looking at ex extrinsically, you know, what can I pay them? I remember we moved from, at Vacasa, we moved, for, it was a big deal when we moved to $15 an hour. Um, it was a big, big deal because we were a large company and that was going to be a, a huge expense that turned out to be a great investment. We're back mm -hmm. to that theme again because um, being able to pay higher than scale helped us bring on a lot of new cleaners and we needed a ton of help at the time. Um, then it was up to us to retain them through intrinsic motivation. So um, I, would, I would look at that as one of the, if not the biggest recurring issues that happens in my segment of the hospitality business for sure. Can I, can I say for my experience on that note, I love that you said that because I think it's 100% true. I'm going to say this once to all the slick talkers out there that maybe are in this position, but I had an owner tell me, well, they like, he was at, so why are we getting so many room issues, complaints, whatever, right? Not cleaning behind the couch or not sweeping behind the door. There was a sock under the bed or whatever. There's these little, sure. you know, notes made um, through reviews or inspections. Trash wasn't, you know, maybe a trash was missed or whatever. He says, why are they missing these simple little things, they're the best paid housekeeping team in this city. Why are they missing this stuff? And yes, $15 an hour, like you said, for Vacasa, it's a huge move. That's a big expense or AKA investment um, that does pay off. But when you, from an owner's perspective, when you look and why are they missing all this stuff? They're the best paid team in this city or whatever. That is a hundred, like, let me tell you right now, pay means nothing when it comes to how your team feels when they're on property, what, how they feel when they're about to walk in the door to work. Are they regretting waking up this morning and wanting to come here? Or are they excited and enthusiastic about seeing their team, seeing their managers or supervisors or whatever, seeing the guests? Um, that is what you need to think about. Cause yeah, $15 an hour, or let's say maybe you raise it even higher. You want to be competitive in the market and a saturated high turnover, you know, hiring market. Let's say you go 17, $17 an hour. Right. And I, and on that note, I went the opposite way too. I had housekeepers tell me, look, you know, the pay is great. I just need a day off. Yeah. 100%. So, so there are, there are other ways that they value and the keyword is value. <clears throat> what they get. And that's exactly. why I make the distinction between extrinsic and intrinsic. You've got yeah. to really understand your cleaners and what motivates them. And that means individually. That doesn't mean yes. a, a broad stereotype yeah. of, of housekeeping. An average. Put them all in one bucket. Right. No. Yeah. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're a continuing education. Maybe they got kids at home. Yeah. Maybe, you know, et cetera. We don't know. 
Exactly. So oh, and, and that reminds me, you have to, in this investment, think of it as you need to be in the employer of choice. Right? Exactly. We have to be the employer of choice. Uh, our competition will lure them away or they'll drift away um, because it's the same old, same old, and it's the carrot and stick. Try to be the employer of choice. Try to get creative, 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 creative. Um, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. One thing we talk about a lot and what I'm going to be speaking on at the Book Direct show um, next month or this month when this episode goes live, but uh, um, is pivot, the art of pivot and creativity. You know, what is the one thing I think I saw everybody do, or at least try to, you saw the wheels turn when April, when March hit and let's say the national emergency was declared for coronavirus and all this other stuff and travel. Right. People were right. not, okay, it went silent. People started scrambling, trying to save their business. And then all of a sudden, boom, guess what? A month later, we saw everybody get so creative in a lot of aspects. And you, we saw a lot of people hop onto that staycation train very quick before it was even a topic right. to be talked about. We saw right. um, we saw people that had 100% cancellations open up and partner up with every single hospital in that city or in that town or in that state um, in order to get the traveling nurses and doctors and medical staff right. uh, cheap, right. affordable housing, but that was up to standard for something that we didn't even know about. So we saw a big pivot and I think that's the coolest thing. And I want to touch, well, not not even touch just say, you know, that's been the coolest part starting the podcast and being in the industry. We are the most creative and like innovative people I've seen. Uh, Just the amount of, you know, exponential shifts I've seen people do and it's just crazy. Yeah, sometimes out of necessity and sometimes just uh, because, you know, they want to do something a little bit better. So, yeah. um, because they're built that way. So I applaud that. You know, it reminded me of something. Um, well, maybe we'll go to, to number two on my list. Yeah, um, let's do it. And, and it's, it's pretty mundane, but Easy Care, my company thought it was absolutely paramount. And I'll tell you why. Uh, well, first I'll tell you it's inventory and, yes. and capturing inventory and the movement of inventory. So very quickly, let me touch on that. Look, we all know that our profit margins are squeezing, right? The OTAs are continually trying to bite into our margins, right? Um, with the eyeballs that they hold for them. Why are you going to book direct? Because of that very reason. And with profit margins being squeezed and OTAs are, are, are just part of that, right? Competition is another part, you know, there are low barriers to entry into this field. Uh, and that, you know, brings a lot of competition. We have to look at other ways internally to retain that margin, right? Not just externally. We fight the good fight externally on all these other fronts. But if I could get processes, technology to help me be more effective and ultimately more efficient, then I'm going to make some coin back there. And that's going to offset the fact that, you know, maybe my uh, net profit was 8%. I need to get up to 12% or 12 to 15, et cetera, et cetera. So I see inventory as the leaky bucket in almost every company I deal with and talk to. So at least at EasyCare, we tried to build a, a module that, it, that really is the movement of um, inventory, whether it be from a storage facility, whether it be from a person, or whether it be from the property itself, and, and listed in categories and then items within that category. You should also have something that shows what's in your inventory, the depletion of that inventory, and if the depletion falls below a certain threshold, you should get two things. You should get a flag that you need to reorder and you need a shopping list to do so, right? So those are key. Now we're developing a scanner for scan and scan out because you need that. Why am I telling you all this? I can't tell you how many, and I'm, gonna, I'm not making this up, tens of thousands of dollars in my past company, we had to cut checks for at the end of the year because something was damaged, something went missing. Um, In this case, inventory just disappeared, right? Why am I buying this skid of material a month later? Where did this stuff go? It was very opaque. And I ended up cutting, you know, having us cut checks for a lot of this stuff on a frequency of reorder that we didn't even understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. So to understand the movement of goods within your organization, particularly if you have a, a big, facility with lots of parts, it's key. And if you can track them and you can put monies to every time something is used and you can get a shopping list for reorder, now you've got an audit trail. 
right? And that's going to shore up accountability, which is going to shore up your dollars and bottom line, not top line. And exactly. that would be key for me. Well, so that's why we took so much time on that. No, I love that. And I think that's so key. And it just goes back into, again, I probably sound like a broken record when I say another guest, actually two other guests on the show, Andrew McConnell, who you know, uh, with rented.com, rented Inc. And Simon Lehman with AJL Consulting. We both talked about, this is where my, my revenue management degree and like side of me kicks in because Andrew McConnell and I both believe, uh, we both say this, I, in the hotel world, I said, you know, ADR means nothing to me. I love ADR for, for days. You know, it's a great, you know, to look good on the star report, but ADR right. means nothing to me when my operation costs are out the window. Like you said, the leaky bucket is the way like to describe inventory when it comes to pillow, linens, sheets, you name it, blankets, all sorts of other stuff that goes in the room. That is, if you are making an ADR, let's say your room cost to flip a room is 35 bucks, that's including labor, but you're selling mm -hmm. that room for 66 a night when it comes to slow or whatever, slow season. Not only did you just waste $35, but now you have 30, less than 30 bucks left to play with. Right. That goes into your back to the business, uh, you know, your LLC person, whatever. Um, then right. now you have to pay staff other, other than the housekeeping. Right. Let's say the 35 is including housekeeping. So you have front desk staff, you have a houseman, or let's say you have a reservations agent for vacation rentals, uh, whatever you are making your profit margin is so thin by doing that. Right. So right. revenue management is looking at the ADR and all the reports and all the glorious numbers we see there. Revenue strategy is when you really take in your operation, top line profit margins, when it comes to inventory, every single penny that is spent and comes in. Um, that is when revenue strategy really kicks in. And I love that you said that because a leak is a leaky bucket. It's like, you fill it up with water one day and then the next week you're halfway through and you're like, what the heck happened to all the water? It's like, it was right. just full, right. it was, you know? So right. I think that's great. And that's great the opacity. Point. And we're bringing visibility to that, to that yeah. segment um, of the operations. The last one I wanted to talk about, uh, just kicking on three of them, is adoption in the field of technology. So here's what I'm experiencing. And I think a lot of vacation rentals and certainly hoteliers are probably in this bucket too, is, Again, I can build the most beautiful software at Easy Care that I want. If I mm -hmm. can't get the housekeeper um, on that house up there that they have to clean that takes four hours to use my product to improve their life, we have failed. Mm -hmm. We have absolutely failed. And the cost or investment, right back to that conversation, yeah, that yeah. owner made has no ROI, mm -hmm. right? So what what I've tried to do is look at it through the lens of, how would I as a housekeeper, I as an inspector, I as a maintenance person, be able to open this up and try to intuitively use this and port data back to my company, right? Because data is king, it's gold right now. So mm -hmm. being able to do that and in a lens of adopting, right? Technology and then adapting to it or you to it. And that's key. If we can get lift on that, then the whole process works. If I can't get lift on that, typically the retention model there is is very short so again the lens of trying to do that strategically is what we're focused on exactly and is it so let me ask you kind of just a last final question is it making a, a product that is super easy to use and that makes their job easier or what is it do you think that is going to get that operator in the field really to get on board with it well you're back to intrinsic motivation too or extrinsic, right? There's a way to approach this that um, you can spiff off the use of that. Uh, some people in my last conference have said, yeah, but you could also dock them pay if they don't use it. Uh, you know, okay, that's a little bit of the carrot and stick approach, but I prefer doing the um, additive, not the subtractive. So I would say, you know, if you use my product or uh, the product in the field, I will, you know, and make sure you give us data because quite frankly, data, as I said, is gold. What's the price? of not having data, it's super expensive. So <clears throat> if you kick in a little for them to uh, adapt to it early on, again, an investment. And I think that's important to look at. Uh, but I also think, yes, can we make product more intuitive? 
we're striving, at least in my company, every day to take company uh, to take um, client feedback and improve the process more and more. We're driving that bus, right? The bus is continual. It's not, you know, it just stops and we're done. So mm -hmm. continually look at it at intuitive nature of it. Look, we all know that um, some of these cleaners have been doing this for 15 years, 20 years. Um, they know what they're doing. So yeah. being able to create your own checklist according to their seniority is also super important. So it's not just, is it intuitive? It's how many steps do I need to go through in order to get my company data? Well, it's a lot more than I used to do. Therefore, um, I'm out. And yeah. what you need to do is tailor it, tailor it to the individual, tailor it to what kind of data you want, um, and tailor it to the efficiencies based on cost, which is value. 100%. And I love that you said that. We had a well, conversation. <laughs> well, you know, you and I, when we had our first conversation, we talked about, you know, uh, PMP, uh, property management platforms, such as like Hostfully or, you know, Guesty or all of these other things, right? And uh, I was telling you, like, the ones that allow you to customize and build it and make it right. flow to your operations and make a smooth, make give you the ability to make you get that top line sale and make sure that you're not losing revenue on back end and front of stuff is super key. And I love that you said that and I'll leave it on this note is that um, it's dr we're, you're driving the bus, right? The bus is continually you know, going. It's never going to be a thing that just stops and we're like, all right, we're done. We're, we're never going to operate, like build onto this operations thing. It's like going to be a continuous uh, platform for every right operator um just like when somebody asked me how do you talk about hospitality so much how can you produce one episode a week i'll tell you my friends that the conversation is always ongoing just like everything in the industry is always ongoing there's always something to talk about there's always something to do uh, when it comes right. to operations and in, of course increasing the roi and the overall like you said data is gold so it's continued bus has been going on I love talking about it because of that change. So yes. uh, there's something new that's happening every day, week, and month. And, you know, uh, we've got to be, be a, uh, on top of it and still do our day job. So it, it's kind yeah. of a, a juggling act, but it's a fun one. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. Well, I'm going to ask one more thing. Just any final thoughts, maybe a shameless shout out or just an overall final note for the audience that you would like to leave them with. Yeah, I think we've, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shameless plug on Easy Care and, and bear with me, you guys out there, is look, we've flown under the radar vacation rental and short-term rental and corporate housing for a couple of years. Um, but don't, don't, uh, oh, I won't tell you what to do, but take a, a really hard look at Easy Care right now because we've, we've tried to develop the tools that no one else has, but that addresses a myriad of pain points that I think you'll see and go, wow, I had no idea you were out there. Where did you guys come from? What do you, tell me more. And on most demos I have uh, and my team has, uh, that's the comments we get back. So all I'm really asking is um, do due diligence, take a look at us in juxtaposition of, of your uh, needs and see if uh, you know, our value is there for you. Of course, right on. Well, on all Slick Talkers out there, I will also leave links in the description of the episode below. So make sure to not only check out Easy Care, but you can also check out all their <clears> platforms <throat> such as uh, social medias. And of course, check out the Slick Talk Facebook and Instagram because I will be plugging in awesome videos from this episode where you can take bite-sized snippets and of course, apply them to your daily life and your daily operations. So thank you guys for being a part of the slick talk community and just the overall hospitality uh, enthusiasts that you are for everyone that's tuned in and has been recently reaching out on the show. You guys are awesome. Um, thanks for the encouraging words and all the people that tune in weekly. You guys are just what we love to hear from and do this for. So thank you guys for just being that support right. and Brian, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for doing what you do in the industry and for bringing some knowledge to the audience. I love it. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. 
We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.